0: had a bunch of people who had assembled from all kinds of different backgrounds, which is another fascinating thing about cannabis. Nobody, well, I shouldn't say that, not nobody. There are some people who come and grew up with cannabis. There are a lot of us who have come into the industry from outside, right? Mm -hmm. And the eclectic nature of that group working together, committed to building something bigger than themselves.
1: shedding light on the canopy. As former chief of staff at Canadian cannabis giant Canopy Growth, Marnie McKinstry excelled in process and project management at a time of insane expansion. Now, a few months after striking out on her own, she gives us an insight into what the big market players are doing, right and wrong, and what smaller fledgling companies can learn from them. Okay, so Marnie McKinstry, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh... Where you're at? Uh, it looks like you're uh, kind of outside, somewhere nice, right now. So, uh, yeah, welcome.
0: Thanks, Dave. Hi. Yeah, I am. I'm close to outside. I'm on a sort of a, a screened-in type porch on my on my uh, second floor. Yeah, it's nice. a sunny day in Ottawa today.
1: Uh, Ottawa. So you're uh, you're based in Canada, and uh, you used to work for Canopy Growth until quite recently. So it would be good to find out a little bit about your time there and how you got into the cannabis sector as well, because you didn't well. I guess you had a life before cannabis, I imagine.
0: I did, I did. Um, Yeah, so I am located in Ottawa, which is about an hour from Smith Falls, Ontario. And Smith Falls is the uh, headquarters location location of Canopy Grove. Um, So I came to cannabis in a bit of a long path, I guess. Uh, I started out actually in the federal government. So most of my career was spent... Uh, working for the Canadian federal government, uh, mostly with Canada Border Services, some with Health Canada. I have a degree in English, so which qualifies you for, you know, very little.
1: Uh, so, <laughs> or everything, as the case may <laughs> be. Right or now. everything, that's right. Yes,
0: that's good, get, 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 depending on your perspective. Uh, so anyways, I sort of found myself uh, after the first couple of years in the government in large-scale projects. So I kind of learned how to walk the talk of of IT systems and just found that I liked projects. I realize now it's because I like building things. Um, I'm definitely a builder. That's a realization I've had since Mm -hmm. working in cannabis, which requires a lot of building. Um, So, yeah, I worked in government for 15 years leading uh, IT-enabled business transformation projects. Um, several were cross functional cross departmental uh, and complex and i like i like to enjoyed projects because it takes something from concept right right through to delivery and i can sort of very much tangibly see the the results of my of my efforts uh, so but after several years i uh, 15 years actually in the government i grew a little weary of the public service <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, and wanted to do something, I think, a little more exciting, um, you know, and we could talk more about that type of change uh, as well, if you like. But yeah. it was certainly uh, exciting at the time. So this was about eight months pre-legalization. Okay. Um, I did a bunch of career coaching to sort of reorient, reorient myself from public sector, kind of yeah. where I fit and where I thought I might fit in the private sector. Uh, I had a connection to the to the ex the former CEO of, of Canopy, Mark Zipoulin, And uh, I pitched myself to him, and things kind of went from there.
1: Excellent.
0: They hired me as uh, the first project manager bringing product to market, basically, Um, as well as uh, leading a couple of major initiatives. At the time, they were rebranding the medical website. Uh, At the time, they were also beginning to launch retail, Uh, Mm -hmm. and they were building a chocolate factory. There was a lot happening at Canopy Growth when I first arrived. Absolutely, how um, you
1: say chocolate? Because yeah. it, it used to be the Hershey's factory, didn't it? I remember reading That's somewhere, Yes, yeah, Smith-Hall's.
0: I'm not going to give you the exact year that closed, but it was a number of years ago, like well over a decade or two. Yeah, yeah,
1: talking. yeah. But I yeah. think it didn't, I mean, so I remember reading somewhere that basically Canopy Growth kind of helped revitalize the economy of the town there, is that right? And it, that was a, I mean, it was a huge thing at the time, wasn't it? When the factory opened?
0: It was a huge thing. I mean, it was a big footprint, right? Uh, there was a lot of, of course, investment attached. Well, when it first opened, I mean, it was, to be honest, it was a little quiet when it would have first opened, right? It was mm-hmm. uh, early days or not early days, but, you know, 2012, I'm going to say, I think, okay. uh, was when uh, Bruce Linton and Chuck Refici first sort of started it up and then brought Mark Zucculin in, I think, shortly mm-hmm. thereafter, but really started as a medical um, program, right, under the medical regulations. Um, but, of course that was not where the ambition stopped. So yeah. No, so, yeah.
1: But was that nice, was I was going to say, was there a nice segue for you having worked with sort of health Canada into the medicinal market or was it completely different to what your expectation was going to be in that respect?
0: Um, my experience at health Canada actually had nothing to do really with cannabis. So yeah. I, knew, yeah. I knew a little bit, I was exposed to things like, which actually comes in handy now. I was exposed to things like, um, regulatory uh you know the regulatory regime of uh, for food for um natural health products for and it, so that has come in handy right in, in working with cannabis understanding the the regulatory pathways and the policies um, so that certainly helped, and border services was also a little bit helpful in the in the sense of understanding, um, you know, risk and how we evaluate risk and why we might take certain decisions. So all of my experience, I think, mm-hmm. collectively has added up to to help me. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so cannabis was definitely a big thing in Smith Falls and still is. Right. It does. Uh, Canopy still employs a number of people in the town. It resulted in you know, a huge influx of employment, a huge influx of local businesses, right? There's, in order to serve Canopy and its employees, there's been restaurants that have opened and B&Bs and hotels or motels, right? Like locally, it's really added a lot to the economy that...
1: You know, yeah, in, in different cannabis. ways. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You don't have to have a cannabis leaf to sort of you know show their allegiance. It just uh, naturally sort of happens that way, I guess. But yeah. But it must have been a really interesting time for growth. I mean, how was it for you? What was your kind of career trajectory within Canopy? What
0: so when I first arrived, I think I was employee number three thousand or something like that. Okay, so,
1: um, yeah. so you know, I- how many employees are there now roughly, would you say? Well, uh-huh.
0: where- Right now, I'm going to say they're probably around 7,000, okay. but that's, that's a ballpark. Okay, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just curious. But yeah, cool. So yeah. Kind of, uh, early-ish doors.
0: Early-ish, yes. And again, yeah. pre-legalization. So yeah. I joined at the end of March uh, 2018, and uh, the things were hot, right? Like there yeah. was the company was running really fast in a lot yeah. of directions and domestically to to prepare for legalization, but as well globally, right? There was... um um. Uh, you know, expenditure and capital, uh, you know, building happening in South America, in Australia, in Europe, there had already been assets purchased, right? Like Mm -hmm. it was all sort of happening at once. And so when I first joined before legalization, the company really was did have a lot of balls in the air and they needed somebody to work across all of these functions right to mm-hmm. to help pull together planning to help pull together objectives mm-hmm. and then just sort of lead those teams to execute on that plan so i i quickly you know as i was when i first got in it was about 3 weeks into the role and i was frankly, very overwhelmed. And I thought I had made a terrible mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> there was there, was this, there was some tears shed in week three, I will tell you. And that's what, okay. that was my counsel to future employees. When you get to week three, you're gonna think you've made a terrible mistake, persist, it'll be okay. Yeah,
1: but it was um, very much that baptism of fire in terms, of, I mean, was it just immersion in, not just having a million and one things to do, but I mean, just in terms of understanding the sector itself, I mean, did you have, I mean, any sort of background or knowledge of the sector at all
0: not really i yeah. mean i was a pot smoker when i yeah. joined so I mean. um it's not like i was totally new to the product yeah. um yeah. but that was kind of about it you know right. I, I didn't really know much about the industry sure. and industry i knew about mm. you know how to get weed from you know the guy yeah. uh, but i didn't know i didn't know about how to get weed out of a big company yeah. and quite honestly. That's what made it exciting, right? So you had a bunch of people who had assembled from all kinds of different backgrounds, which is another fascinating thing about cannabis. Nobody, well, I shouldn't say that, not nobody. There are some people who come and grew up with cannabis. There are a lot of us who have come into the industry from outside, right? Mm -hmm. And the eclectic nature of that group working together, committed to building something bigger than themselves, right? I think that was really the nature of the spirit and the culture at the time at Canopy Mm -hmm. when I joined and, you know, well, well into legalization after the first year or two was really this like, we're doing really cool stuff. And guess what? It actually helps people. And guess what? It can also be fun, right? And so...
1: No, I mean, that for me is is very much that um, spirit seems to persist today. And, you know, I've been to sort of, you know, meetings or kind of, you know, events. And, you know, you do have that eclectic and, you know, unified spirit of, you know, progress. And actually, let's build this the right way and do what we want to do.
0: And I think that really became and it has become the trick, right? Mm -hmm. You know, as a project manager by by background, I kind of view a lot of the industry is actually a project still right we're still and you can aggregate it right it's a company here and then they've got a brand and a product or they've got a facility right and then there's another company and then there's a country that's trying to legalize cannabis you know those are all projects right with defined outcomes oh. canada is now moving into a maintenance mode right oh. on the on the industry but there's so much growing still happening and so i kind of look at it as as this constant series of of projects and and I think when you look at it that way, a project manager is trained really to look for what their outcome is, what is the end value we're delivering, what is the benefit to the consumer, and really quantifying that and constantly keeping that goal in mind. And I think that's um I'm getting into project management here and how it converges to no, cannabis. No, no. I don't know how I got here, but here I am. So I just think yeah. I think um, you know, there's an opportunity to look at the industry and how it is growing with that lens. Um and I think some companies might be better served to look at it with that lens, right? As opposed to, we're just going to start growing weed and packaging it and go for it, right? There's very much a go for it attitude. Yeah, I think absolutely. knowing what you're going for and making sure that you're equipped to do it is is equally as important as going for it.
1: <laughs> but I mean, do you feel like having, obviously, you, you talk about you know having very clear goals and being able to get to that point. Do you feel like... A lot of the time, just because of the way the industry is, the you know those goals have to constantly change. Or do you think it's the way you get to those goals that has to change, or both?
0: Uh, it's both, really. Yep. I, I do think the goals, but that's what's cool about it, right? The mm. goals have to constantly evolve because there's new science coming in, right? There's new user adoption, you know, criteria coming in. There's new formats coming. In. It's it's all changing all the time. I think the trick is, you know understanding your environment very clearly, uh, understanding again, what that goal is, what you think your company or your, you as an individual have to deliver right in this space that is valuable and that can be defined, right? And then allowing yourself to be ready to shift but in order to be able to shift you need a solid foundation, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's kind of where we're getting to in Canada. We need a lot mm-hmm. of companies to kind of shore up their foundation. We need the industry okay. to shore up its foundation so that all of us can start pivoting and innovating. Mm-hmm. Because you can't pivot on
1: yeah. uh, you, know,
0: you know without a firm uh, a firm footing.
1: And what do you feel like that firm footing should look like or already looks like? What 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 point do you think we need to be at or particularly in Canada?
0: So Yeah, so I think if I'm looking at the Canadian market as a whole, I think firm footing uh, is needed in a few areas. Obviously, fiscal responsibility. I Uh I think that fundamentally has has what's been missing for a number of years. And again, that goes back to knowing what your outcome and your objective is, and having a business case that gets you there. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't need to boil the ocean with that business case, and you know, spend a bazillion dollars and, and and a lot of months on it but winging it is not gonna serve anybody well. So I think there's certainly some some fiduciary responsibilities that need to be shored up in the industry. Mm -hmm. I think that along with that, you should probably see companies and the industry start to narrow in on the true areas of value for the consumer, right? So we in Canada now have had an explosion of brands and uh, products and uh you know there's new things coming out all the time what we now so now what we have is this vast landscape of products and brands Mm -hmm. some are going to die right just by nature of you know attrition of of a brand Mm -hmm. and a product some are merging right but we need that foundation of of brands to kind of shake out i think and i think we're sort of getting there but again like 250 SKUs on any given day in a store is a lot for a new consumer right so
1: yeah
0: so I think that that innovation, our innovation potential has to be founded on fundamentals. And I think a lot of the companies are still firming up those fundamentals, whether it's in grow and grow capacity and, you know, managing inventory, whether it's in the fundamentals on the R&D and the science and tech, right? Getting your, your margins down on some of that, those manufacturing opportunities. I think you're also seeing a lot of the, the industry is, is generating new businesses, right? So we've got a lot of co-manufacturers, coming up right who are either some of them are, are developing in-house brands some of them are co co-manufacturing some of them mm-hmm. have partnerships right with with external brands so none of that is i would say innovative in a product sense necessarily right but yeah. it's industry it's the industry shaking out and developing its own foundation i think which needs to happen
1: I was reading, i think something a little bit earlier but someone's talking about innovation is not just bringing out you know, a new product to do something or a new piece of kit, or something like that, particularly in the cannabis sector, it's about, you know, it really is understanding that, you know, what the consumer wants, and unless it's found rooted in that, then it's just not gonna work. And that sounds to be something that you're sort of echoing that sentiment in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, it's, I agree. It's not going to work. And I think, so a couple of things, I think we are still figuring out what the consumer wants today. And we have different, mm-hmm. obviously, different segments, like with any category of goods, yeah. right? We have different yeah. segments of consumers using cannabis in different ways. I think that um, innovation is about often anticipating somebody's needs before they even identify them, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's innovative and it doesn't mean it has to be wacky right? It doesn't mean, mean it has to be something that's way out there, um, but it does mean trying to think ahead of, of where the consumers go, not just to, is today, but where they are going to want to go with a product and, and with a category.
1: And what do you think, what, what in your opinion is uh, the sort of next sort of trend or what trends are you sort of seeing now that you think, ah, that could be a thing in a, in a year or two's time. Do you, is there anything,
0: whether it's a category really- or a
1: product or, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting. So I think a couple of things on the product side, again, there's new things coming out all the mm-hmm. time. Some of them are potentially fads. and But again, like, I, you know, innovation sometimes can be something that comes off as fatty, but ends up sticking, you know, fatty. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go with <laughs> um, that. That's fine.
0: Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think there are some new things I just saw this morning. a spray. Sprays are not new. Um, necessarily, but there, there are a couple of new ones that claim to titrate accurately, you know, taste taste good. So I think there's some interesting delivery formats that are going to help us bring new users into the category, new consumers mm-hmm. into the category, right, that are not vaping, that are not smoking. Um, of course, edibles and beverages, right, I think are the big part of the future of the industry. Uh, the challenge there is helping people to see them as normalized products as well and helping people understand where and when to consume. So my position, I'm looking at product, but I'm also really interested in, I'm really interested in environment and education and edutainment, as one might say, right? It doesn't have to be hard education going to taking a, you know, even an online class for six weeks or something like that. It can be, how am I educated in a setting and in an environment that I'm comfortable with, that I'm familiar with and where I feel, you know, I'm... I can learn and
1: not be judged. (laughs) And and who's, I mean, do you see, do you think brands have an opportunity or do they have a responsibility to do that, do you feel? Um, Whether it be a dispensary, whether it be a kind of, you know, licensed producer, do you think that's a conversation that has to come from them as much as it might do from, I don't know, an official body or whatever?
0: It does. The issue and the challenge, particularly in Canada, are our very strict regulations, right? So this right. is a different, very different conversation in California. This is a different conversation right. um, yeah. In, in Canada. I mean, the issue is on the brand and the producer side, you can't, uh, you know, really advertise as to effects. You can't yeah. really advertise. Uh, you can't put that person. You know, this was something we the, the industry, you know, lobbied against or for and still does like a beer company might have a person on a with a cooler on a dock and you know like Hmm. there is no such thing you cannot have people in the ads you cannot depict people enjoying themselves really like it's very it's very restrictive in the dispensary environment um, you know the retail environment you can create an experience um, but because you're selling product you can't also Um, Same thing. You can't communicate as to what you think that product might do for that consumer. You can say some people use it for X, Y, and Z, but there's no dialogue in a a retail environment where Mm -hmm. a consumer cannot come in and ask for a recommendation on a particular product for a particular need necessarily, where they can directly give you a a product recommendation. They are not supposed to be selling you.
1: As in Um, blood 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 tenders can't do that. They can't, someone can't come in. Well, they might be able to, but again, officially they can't do that. That's,
0: there's, that's right. Like, I, okay. And I think, you know, there's wiggle words around this. You know, I need something to relax. I need something, right? Like some people find this relaxing, right? They can mm-hmm. they can right. use those sorts of, of mm-hmm. terminology, but there's there's very little you can do to directly address a consumer's uh, and desires. Do you, how do you feel like
1: butt tenders in particular or dispensary owners, they understand that innately. Is that something that, you know, regulations are already hard on? You must do it like this or we will shut you down. Is it the that, that simple? Can-
0: yeah, the regulations in Canada are very tough in terms of, of marketing and promotion. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's how Health Canada wanted it. Right. Health Canada doesn't actually really want a legal market. I don't think in, uh, in uh, re- oh. sorry, actually, a recreational market in Canada, mm-hmm. right? They're yeah. allowing it. It's a, yeah. a, it's, I look at more of Health Canada is allowing a recreational market. They, they're, they're doing it reluctantly. right? Okay. Their, their objective has been to regulate a medical regime and a re- medical market and create a harm reduced playing field, regulated playing field for the recreational market, right? So we'll let you have a rec market or an adult use market, but we're going to make it really difficult for you to advertise because we don't, they're concerned about the impact on mm-hmm. children. They're concerned about the proliferation of legal weed, recreational yeah, weed, It's right? not actually.
1: And I think that's, again, I mean, people, a lot of people I've heard say this about, uh, you know, you go into dispensary, you just see, you know, was it? Black packets with the kind of THC sticker on it. You know, it's not like anywhere else. In say, in the US, in different states, where you can kind of openly have a brand and sort of position it as a sort of lifestyle thing. And again, it's kind of like, yeah, that's what we have to put up with. And uh, so, how do you kind of navigate that? I mean, again, that's that's a consumer question, I guess, and I'm not I'm not sure you're able to answer. But I mean, how, how do people sort of? I mean, the information like what strain is good, what does this do? You know. Are, where are those conversations kind of taking place? I mean, you say so. To I mean, or?
0: yeah. I mean, a bud tender can talk to you about a strain' characteristics, right? If, if they can mm-hmm. talk to you about the terpenes and the good ones are starting mm-hmm. to talk, learn more about just you know, it's an indica sativa hybrid, and and you know, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 the cannabinoids, um, and you know, all of the uh, yeah, what's in it.
0: They're starting to learn more about the attributes, so that that mm-hmm. certainly is happening. Um, and then I think consumers are going to there are certain sites out there leafly um you know right. of, you can get some information yeah. um but again i think a lot of it is trial and error which is kind yeah. of the way cannabis should be for a lot of people because it doesn't work the same way for all people at all times of day right it's not a yeah, it's yeah. not a, it's a plant so not,
1: yeah no you know absolutely I mean? and um, i guess the entourage effect you know people talk about isolating terpenes i mean we recently went to a kind of medical cannabis event here in the uk and that was very much driven home that you know it's even though you can isolate certain terpenes and things like that it's better to have it in you know as as the plant itself but again like you say the plant has different effects on different people and it's not like a prescription medication in the conventional sense. It's not like big pharma. you take got this problem take this pill take this medication it's it's and that, that's a hard perception to change, I think, from a medical perspective. Well, that's, that's at least my impression.
0: Well, and we might get there, right? Like big pharma is, is continuing to research. So we might get to the point in, um, I don't know how long that would be to prove out some of those things, five, 10 years, where big pharma is saying, you know, we have yeah. clinical evidence that this THC in this concentration, right, for this purpose will work for everybody to do this, yeah. right? We might we might get there and, and maybe we're closer to that than, than I even think. But... Um, Yeah, I mean, I think this bridge between, I think we're still building a bridge to understand Mm -hmm. this plant as it helps medical patients. Versus as it helps just the regular layperson, right? I think there's an aspect of self-medicating, right? That happens in a large part of the recreational, quote unquote, recreational user base and has for many years, right? I think there are people who are using cannabis to manage anxiety, uh, you know, manage their mood, perhaps manage, I don't know, some gut and intestinal issues. There's all kinds of reasons, right? They might not have gone to a doctor for it. They've been doing it for years in a country where there's a medical, you know, regime and there are participating insurance companies, then, you know, it's a great way to take yourself. It's a great reason to take your self medicated regime into a, mm-hmm. into a real practitioner, right? And, and speak with a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but where there's a little less incentive to do that, where there's not insurance coverage for it, I mean, people might just continue to, to use the recreational avenue. So, I guess all this to say, I do feel there's room here. There's a spectrum of use, right? And I'm noticing a gap a little bit, I would say, and I think I have for a while, between medical, which comes off as clinical and, Mm -hmm. you know, will eventually track to pharma. But again, that's on that far end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum, which is recreational. I think there's, you know, wellness is in there.
1: Absolutely. And again, it kind of defines, sorry. No, go ahead. Like to say, it, it, it's it's an interesting one because again, I think that's reflected in the sorts of brands or companies that you see coming out. Well, from all different, uh, uh, well, from the US and, and from Canada, you, it, it's it's really interesting. You do have that kind of broad sweep, and you do have that different kind of aesthetic. You know, from the way brands are sort of you know bringing themselves into being and the sort of way in how they advertise themselves. And again, it, it really does vary. And I think again, you've got this kind of varied way of branding. You've got this varied kind of different types of products that you can use um, for different purposes and again there's there's nothing else quite like that out there you know if it's uh, you know you work in the construction industry it's the construction industry you work in finance it's finance and yeah it will sort of verge on different things like tech will come in and you'll see elements of that to improve efficiencies and it becomes a bit more you know introducing new ideas but when you've got such a sort of Wide. I mean it's not even like the uh I guess the alcohol market's not like it you don't have alcohol for medicinal people will joke and say I'm having a couple of medicinals or whatever and in invert commas but that's about as scientific as it gets right
0: well no no doctor is going to prescribe you you know two two whiskey a night well not well well yeah I mean you know I think they're back to the education point I think there's a lot being done Um, companies are looking for ways to educate consumers. They really are. It's not like they're ignoring the issue. I think Mm -hmm. they are looking for innovative ways. I think there's a couple of good publications that have been getting a lot of traction. The Kenigma is another good one. It's um, uh, out of Israel. And Mm -hmm. uh, so there are definitely some. uh, You know, groups, organizations that are starting to build these communications in an approachable way and in a Mm -hmm. way that people can understand, because to your point, it's really complex. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that what happens to a lot of new entrants is they underestimate the complexity, right? Because you assume everybody's been, people have been smoking weed for, you know, however many years, Entries. Entries, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but we've now, we understand more about it. We're doing different things with it. And it was always inherently complex. We just didn't really have the tools to understand that. So to your point about beverage and alcohol, you know, that was, there are a lot of people in the industry that come from beverage alcohol and i think they come into the industry you know there's definitely parallels highly regulated market um, you know definitely that recreational focus right it's a bit of the uh, the um, the mod squad right the merchants of death right like alcohol tobacco weapons right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. so there's some alignment there surely uh, certainly from a cannabis perspective but they quickly i think come into the industry and realize this, yeah, you know, wine can be complex and I guess beer can be complex too, but this is not that, right? We've not been growing cannabis on a mass scale for very long at all. We've not, you know, been yeah. making THC vaporization products for very long at all or edibles. And so I think people underestimate the complexity. I think they overestimate what they can achieve within a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. And that then leads to, you know, resource burn and, and, all kinds of things. So I think the education really is like, the, maybe it's like cannabis. There's more to it than you think, or something. Yeah,
1: it's not as simple. Thing. Yeah, it's not as simple as you, yeah. But but again, it's in, it's interesting that I think I mean the more people I speak to, the more again you come to that realization. And you know, it's even once you've gotten past all the kind of, I mean, you try and get a global perspective, different regulations, different countries, different levels of decriminalization i mean you have that in europe you have that in the u.s between different states and things like that and i guess do you feel like in in canada because you've got you know is it essentially the same market throughout you know all the provinces and territories essentially is it treated in the same way different to how you know in the u.s you can do this in california you can do this in oregon you can do this in colorado and nebraska forget about it you know is it similar or or completely different in that respect?
0: Yes. Have we taken the inherently complex product and manufacturing and made it more complex with government regulation? Yes, we have. (laughs) So in Canada, yeah, there are are several provinces. I'm not going to try and name them because I could probably probably get them wrong. Um, You know, I think I'll try. I think it's Manitoba, Alberta, that might be it. I might be missing one that sell direct to consumer, for instance, right? So, there are, they also allow uh, private retailers in mm-hmm. Ontario, in, um, you know, Alberta, whereas in Quebec, it is all through government-run retail. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing in, in New Brunswick. I think Nova Scotia might be the same way, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, I'm a bit out of my, out of the game in terms of... It's, it's not, a, a really
1: movable feast, isn't it? Everything seems well, to change. It's, yeah.
0: it's a patchwork, which drives complexity back into the companies too, right? They have different... Mm-hmm different, uh, you know, shipping and handling practices and policies, different back-end uh, systems implications for controlling inventory, for shipping, mm. right, for managing retail, right? Um, it, it's it's a very complicated business, which makes it fun and interesting, but, but complicated.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of sort of companies that you're seeing sort of do it right in Canada, I mean... Are there are, are there any ones that are sort of like you know you're really ahead of the game in terms of your understanding of the consumer in terms of how you're you're manufacturing you know do you, do you see that is there any kind of real sort of yardstick that you'd say you know this these organizations or this company is doing oh you we know, don't have to name names but I'm, I'm I'm just curious do you think anyone any one party has got it right in that respect or is it just like well everyone's just finding their way like everyone else we're all faking it till we make it type thing.
0: I think, I think, so I don't know if I'll get into names, but what I will say is I think what you're starting to see is the natural, again, is the maturity of the industry, right? A yeah. natural kind of tiering of companies. So, you know, in the flower, I, I mostly shop flour. So in the flower category and the pre-roll category, you know, there are companies now who are getting... I think the companies who are being able to produce quality at scale um, are obviously the ones who are going to start to thrive. A number of companies of course have produced a lot of bud at, poor quality, uh, bringing down kind of the market for the rest of them. But I think this tiering is really starting to be apparent now. What's mm-hmm. emerging is a lot of craft brands and craft brands are interesting um, because yeah. you get enough of these craft brands um, with some distributors, which the, dis- the distribution uh, industry is also kind of kicking up in Canada, right? So enough of these craft brands with the right distribution uh, teams And that could do, they could take a large chunk of the market to be, I'm not sure what the, what the, their Mm -hmm. slices at the moment, the market share, but, um, so definitely in flour, I like what's happening with craft. I think beverages and edibles are going to be, continue to be interesting. The formulation, even if I just focus on beverages, the formulation around beverages, again, is not as easy as everyone thinks, and nor is nailing an ideal you know, from the innovator or the the a company, you know, a product, you know, sort of product innovation perspective, nailing an ideal product is a challenge, right? right. Getting the product with the right flavor, the right color, the right, um, Um, turbidity right how cloudy or not it is i learned so much believe me i didn't know this much about beverages before i joined the company i've heard the word
1: turbidity before i'm not going to be honest
0: beverage manufacturing itself is 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 interesting and complicated so Mm. all this to say like there is still so much room for companies to niche in on good quality product with good manufacturing processes with you know well-designed brands in those advanced manufactured formats, right? Because there's a proliferation of brands and products that are, you know, people try them and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of, um i don't want to say fly by night but i think there are a lot of companies in that are trying to make a buck and and mm-hmm. you know a lot of right like, yeah, genuine like, entrepreneurs well, sort of, want to try but, it, but yeah sort of dip nice. a toe
1: into the cannabis thing i mean i guess you know making a an infused beverage isn't like i oh, would we'll just take a soda and stick a few drops of you know thc oil in and it's not you know I, that's I, a
0: whole other conversation right like
1: yeah but as but soon it. as but then that's Constantly. a quality issue as well isn't it it's like okay well yeah it potentially could but then it's going to taste probably absolutely disgusting is one thing but then it's kind of like you know like you come back to that quality the companies that are making good consistently good quality products and you know have all of those you know, have the distribution aligned have everything working in the right way it's uh you know it, pre- it presents opportunity but again it's about understanding the customer focus and you know that customer experience is do you think that's something easy to overlook by companies who are just like, we're dealing with producing, we're dealing with, you know, regulations and, you know, the customer gets what they get, they'll be happy because it's weed, right? In whatever form it is. And do you think that was something and this not, yeah,
0: I think it was, I think it still is. I think there's certainly some, you know, entrepreneurs new in the space who think, well, I'm just going to, everybody's selling weed. Why shouldn't I, right? Like no, that is yeah. Certainly, yeah, yeah. That's certainly an attitude, uh, an approach. Um, I And then, you know, then on the other hand, you've got data, right, being Mm. collected. This this is new, too, right? it's Again, the industry didn't exist uh, up until recently, right? So there was no data to go on. So that's something that's really growing um, in Canada is the industry of, like, collecting data at retail, collecting all the sell-through data, right? Figuring out what's performing where, aggregating that, and then using that to make some decisions. Mm -hmm. So that will help the industry mature, I think. But I think the fun, my my observation is that I think we missed the mark a little bit in Canada. I think what we did was take, and I don't mean any one company, I mean everyone. I think what we did was take a product that people have been growing for a lot of years and using themselves as we talked about, right? Using on their own we assumed we could put it into containers with labels and then everybody would know how to do it, what to do with it. And then new consumers, I think we assumed old consumers would pick it up right away, right? Legacy market consumers would see yeah, the, yeah. We thought they yeah, would see the benefit of...
1: Yeah. They were kind of given, it's kind of everyone else, oh, it's legal now, we can just pick it up and we can all do this now, yay, and type thing, but not right. Yeah, Right.
0: So that's not re- necessarily converted people the way we thought into the legal market. And I, I again, I think it's about... Cannabis is much more than just a product, right? Again, different people, different ways, different settings. I use it differently in the morning than I might at night, right? And that's not, you know, we need to be able to educate people and ideally, we haven't even talked about on-premise, but that's where this would happen, right? Mm-hmm. Ideally, this happens in an on-premise environment where you can you can educate people on the process of consuming what they might be feeling, why they're feeling, how they might want to use it differently next time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when we just put it into a bunch of product and brand, we've missed the opportunity to have that conversation. Again, the regulations don't allow for it, so it is really tough, um, but that's what I guess I guess maybe that's where I'm at now is I'm looking to figure mm-hmm. out how to, how to crack that nut of like yeah. how to market with people. Right.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, So what is next for you right now? Cause uh, so you kind of struck like, as we we're saying, you struck it on your own. Um, so where, where are you at now? What's your kind of next move in the, in the sector? What are you?
0: Yeah. So I'm towards? sort of, uh, I've got my feet on a few, a couple of gas pedals. So I'm just mm-hmm. <laughs> managing them as I go. I am definitely embarking on this new, um, path of, uh, you know, being an independent, Uh, I've always had a job, so this is a new, another transition for me. And what I'm doing now is sort of looking for, I'm looking for companies, I'm looking for partners who want to build product, who want to build, um, I'm looking at events, I'm very interested in events, services. Um, So again, back to that idea that we need education, we want to entertain people, we want to meet them in a space where they're comfortable to talk to them about cannabis versus, in a dispensary, maybe right. Yep. So I'm looking at opportunities specifically in that space, um, but as well working with anybody who's building new product lines, right. So I think, um, I that was my bread and butter at Canopy, and I'm I'm happy to work yep. with anybody who's looking yeah, to absolutely. build a beverage or an edible or or um, companies who are looking to scale as well, scale into new markets. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested in the European market and what really? might happen in the UK and Europe. So I'm watching that. I. Uh, really? The, there are so, in some ways, cannabis has, well, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of opportunity. So, again, it's a, it's about being able to watch for the opportunity, not get necessarily too locked into anything and being able to pivot. But, uh, so, yeah, that's sort of where I'm I'm scanning the environment right now and speaking with with people. Who yeah,
1: want to. absolutely. And we met, well, we met in, in Boston at icbc So, you, you were, are you heading over for the Berlin event or are you looking at other ones sort of in the U.S. or Canada or... i'm thinking
0: of the berlin event i think i'm likely going to be at the kind summer fair in toronto so that's i think the first week uh first week of july you know, the funny, the other thing I'm noticing, I didn't do a lot of these trade conferences or shows or, con- uh, you know, industry conferences when I was with Canopy. I was very internal. There are a lot of them, and they're happening all over the world. Yes. And uh, I, uh, I'm an independent, so I'm sure you understand, I don't have a budget just yet. So. Yep, yeah, I'm just
1: figuring it all out, and there's no picking and choosing isn't it? absolutely. No, That's I, right. I, I totally feel that. It's, a, it's an interesting one. It's like, well, you could go everywhere and, you know, or, or not. But no, it, I guess it, it kind of depends on, I mean, what's good is that, you know, you see so many of these events, the fact that they're happening is is really interesting. And I think uh, the European market, I'm not sure if you saw the Recreational Europe report by Hanway and just talking about just how different that is, or how it's changing or, you know, and just getting an, a sense of uh, what's, uh, what's happening on the ground. I mean, again, Europe, you know, I guess like America, like in the US, you can't treat it as one market you know it's it's a variety of different markets you know trying to navigate varying degrees of legalization and trials and you know so it's an interesting i mean particularly here in the uk again you know medical cannabis is is legal but not a lot of people know about it and uh, you know again there's the whole challenge that you know medical professionals are those kind of gatekeepers and it's educating them about the product about what cannabis is capable of doing and kind of ho- helping them overcome their own kind of preconceptions that have been, you know, it, it's, it's just a fascinating time. And again, there's a huge job to do, but it's it's quite an exciting one as well, I think. And I guess that is happening in varying degrees in different countries around the world, but very much still it's the education, that stigma to overcome that. This is, you know, and again, I always think it's interesting because there's always been this whole don't smoke, never smoke type thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, Vaping is okay. Vaping cannabis is, 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 is the best. It's, it's, it's kind of everything we've been told not to do now is okay again. And it's like that takes a while to kind of navigate and get people back on track with. Oh, we can do this now. That's all right. You know, it's, that's how I see it anyway. It's, uh, it's intriguing. Well, we in should respect. do
0: another another chat about vaporizing. I've got it. Okay. Okay. it. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's uh, the medical conversation um, is a long one. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a long time. Um, you know, we still have doctors in Canada, despite it being a medical, mm-hmm. medically available product for, what, 20 plus, 20 plus years, I guess? 20-ish right. years? Um, there are still doctors who don't understand it, who are not really for it, right? There's just not yeah. enough evidence yet. Um, and so that is going to take time. So I think if your company is planning on entering a market, keep that in mind. Uh, you know, yeah, I think that was the lesson really. that, that the whole industry learned uh, a lot of Canadian companies, right, went out and started investing globally and have had to sell those facilities or halt those plans because they just, it, the ranks just take a long time.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the more, more I read about, you know, things happening in, well, everywhere, you know, US, Canada, you know, the sort of bigger companies coming in and sort of buying up smaller companies doesn't quite work out all this. I mean, again, I don't want to get into naming names, but there's a, interesting activity happening and you think really why would they do that oh okay they're kind of anticipating that this is going to be a thing in a couple of years time and you, you know it, it, again who knows you know if they got the kind of luxury of you know being able to say well we'll put we'll put some money there just in case then mm-hmm. you know that's fortuitous for them I guess in that respect they can do that but everybody else is uh, a little more uh well, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's like, I think so. I mean, I've heard so many people say it's the Wild West, isn't it? That's the thing of it. It's, yeah,
0: mean, it's the Wild West. But, but again, like, I can't even tell you the number of people I talk to that don't seem to have a plan, that don't seem to know where they're going. So... There's, if you ask me, it's the Wild West, but there's a lot of room for operators who are strategic, who are thoughtful, who are efficient, and who are circumspect, right? And who are trying to, you can't predict the future, but you can prepare yourself to be responsive. And that's what smart companies do. Um, Unfortunately, the industry gets a bad rep because of all the other ones who rush in headlong without much thought, right? So that's just my two cents. I think there's a lot of room for people who want to think carefully and do good business for sure
1: yeah but that's it it's uh it's a case of just yeah seeing what happens and you know following i guess the the sensible activity and i don't know what that is that seems to vary from but again coming back to the whole idea of you when you talk about you know project management and you know having clear goals and thinking okay what can we do that's gonna you know have an impact regardless of what happens seems to be the uh the way forward and i think it's uh again it's an interesting one, but it's uh it's an interesting challenge and i'm sure it's one that you could help a lot of people with it sounds like so uh but that's great absolutely. so kind of fun <laughs> yeah absolutely good stuff well th- well thank you manny thank you very much for your time and um we will catch up again and um, we'll have that vaporization conversation at some point that would be cool but uh thank you so that's much
0: great. thanks Alrighty. steve we'll
1: cheers all the best Bye. Bye.